I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and a warm welcome back to the Framestore podcast, episode 39, part two. In part one on Monday, we had the pleasure of chatting with Alison Turner, Framestore co-founder and Global Director, Operations and Infrastructure, and Elvis Baptiste, our London Facilities Manager, who tackled the first half of our signature 13-question grilling, otherwise known as the Framestore podcast dailies. Today, we're picking up from where we left off as we continue to learn about our facilities and operations teams at Framestore. So sit back, relax and enjoy episode 39, part two of the Framestore podcast, our facilities and operations special. Uh, so you've, you've both touched on the work as well, and uh, this is kind of like the uh, the historically geeky question. But I love uh, I love this question because it, it connects us to the, the shows and the, the output and the work we do. And uh, I know Elvis, we were talking before about you know you're no stranger to a show credit. I often see your name pop up at the end of uh, whether I'm watching something on Disney Plus or I'm at the uh, the cinema with the, with the family. Um, so if let's actually start with you, Elvis. If you could recommend one show one project that Framestore's put out over the last uh, X amount of years that showcases Framestore at its very best, what would it be? What's the big project? That, you know, I always say it's the project you'd show to an alien. The, the, the big one for me was Gravity, oh, yeah. um, just because of the amount of work that went into that and and because of what it had won, the recognition it had gotten, whenever I turn around to someone and they say, oh, what have you been working on? And I say to them, oh, yeah, we're working on gravity. And they were, oh, yeah, that's really good. And then I go into more detail about actually, no, we, we like did all the special effects on gravity. We did all of this. We did all of that. And then it's like, oh, my God, really? You did this? You did that? I think that is one of the films that really put Framestore on the map. But real recognition for what? we've done, what we've achieved, yeah. how um, from when I started at Framestore and what they were doing to what they're doing now and what they can achieve. It's, yeah, for me, it's a real proper showcase of uh, what we can do um, and the technology that went into making it as well. Yeah, no, that is certainly a big one, isn't it? And um, yeah, I, I think on episode two of the podcast, I think it was Daniel Mizuguchi kind of said that it was the uh, one of the few shows where the VFX credit is kind of almost up front yeah. rather than after the, the joiners and the carpenters yeah. you know so i think that was a testament to the to the work for sure yeah absolutely yeah cool now great great answer uh, what about you alison what's the uh, the big show that you'd wheel out um i think i'm gonna give a quite a popular answer i feel but uh paddington is uh oh of course yeah i just think it's yeah it's just a really great showcase of of frame stores work and it's just feels like it's been made with such care and attention to detail and I, I think uh you know people always ask me you know when they ask me what I you know what I do and you know and then they ask questions if they're not familiar with that world they ask questions about it and yeah. 
you know, I always sort of say, actually, it's the sort of digital form of crafts, different crafts, mm. you know, because you have specialists in all these different areas. And I remember going when I first returned to Frame Store, going to a sort of demo of the making of Paddington, and it was the bit where his head goes down the toilet, you know, and somebody was explaining, oh, there's a team of people who've done the water, there's yeah. somebody else who's done the fur, there's somebody else who's looked at what the fur looks like when it's wet in the water, you know. <laughs> And it's just yeah. such a sort of series of people who are sort of specialised in different areas. Yeah. And it is a real craft. And, you know, Paddington is, is one example of that. I mean, obviously, again, gravity is another very good example of that. Mm, yeah, no, great answer. And actually, both of your answers speak to those two very almost different but similar areas where you've got Paddington, which is, of course, the amazing creature work and all the levels that go into bringing emotion and character to that that bear and then obviously talking about gravity which was the kind of that new at the time like the proprietary software and innovation and doing things differently and uh, hence why it won the oscar at the time as well i mean uh, two really good really strong examples for sure and there's a reason why we have like a massive i don't know is it a 10 foot paddington i mean you probably know more than me how high, how high that <laughs> and it's pretty impressive but yeah again and it does make you feel proud that you know we've worked on those amazing shows whether it be kind of you know, even like we talked to alexi about rocket raccoon on a previous episode as well and how you know that that character started out as a, you know technically a blank piece of paper as much as it's sitting on a computer screen to kind of elicit emotion and and the the cultural impact that Paddington has had on the culture. I think it's amazing. Mm. I mean, it's it's, it's lauded as you know, Paddington. Paddington Two is part of popular culture, isn't it? As a kind of the, one of the best films ever made. You know, it's an incredible piece of, of filmmaking. Um, so yeah, I mean, when Paddington One was being made, I mean, was there again a similar question that I asked you earlier, Alison? Is you know, did you get a sense it was going to be as big as it now is? As a you know, when there was news in the building, it's like oh, we've we've won the pitch or we've we're working on Paddington. Was there a an excitement it's pre my time so I wouldn't know I don't think I, I, I think people just it's difficult to know until you go through the process and you start to see it coming out I mean I remember mm. I remember having a conversation with Tim Weber at some point saying you know oh my goodness you know we haven't got the eyes right you know there was a big panic because right. you know they didn't have the right kind of expression so I think when when you're kind of in the project um it's a bit like the question you asked me about starting at frame store you know you don't think about yeah is this going to be an amazing or this will be an amazing success when it's you know I think at the beginning you could think yes this is a great concept it's a great idea it's going to be great fun to work on yeah but I don't know if you think about how successful it's going to be at the end until perhaps it's finished (laughs) yeah perhaps yeah I mean I'm just thinking I mean my my short tenure at frame store I remember kind of going to the, the whip screenings and seeing the Doctor Strange, uh, the the hero shot of him falling through the kind of the different multiverses to some of the kind of early work on Barbie to even kind of the men and all of those kind of lower budget shows. And and they're they're all out there in the world now and they're on streaming and now we're on to the next one. So I imagine it's like what you say, we just keep keep working, keep doing the work, keep putting putting it out there and uh, yeah, celebrating and then moving on to the next the next kind of cool big thing. So uh, brilliant. Well, thank you for leaning into uh, that question both. So we're going to get into a few questions about your your career, looking back now, and uh, particularly your craft. You use that word craft. I definitely see your 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 line of work as a craft as well. And you know, what is a uh, a common myth about working in buildings, in operations or facilities that people often get wrong? Is there a myth that people get incorrect? Alison, do you want to take this one? I don't know. I mean, I think people are unaware of how many things the facilities team covers, basically. You know, they're a very silent team when things are working 100% of the time, but actually they're behind the scenes making things 
are working 90% of the time. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, you only really hear about them when something's actually not working. So, yeah. yeah, I think there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes that people don't don't realise. Yeah. I think, for me, you know, it's people sort of who expect me to kind of know every detail of every building, which I, I really don't, <laughs> because we have amazing teams in each building. Encyclopedic. Um, yeah. So, you know. I don't know that there's a specific yeah. myth as such, but I, I think it is a kind of a hidden department, which if that department didn't work as well as it does, you would soon know about it. fall apart, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is that bre- the brevity of different roles. I mean, I was you know, touched on it in Elvis's answer earlier about everything from kind of like, you know, client service, um, getting getting a client's cappuccino right to, you know, making sure that the lights stay on and yeah. the, the aircon works and the lifts are in working order. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's uh, it's huge, isn't it? When you it does underpin it. most things in people's everyday working lives yeah. when they're in the building, basically. So. And I guess a myth is you don't know about every building, every little minute detail, Alison, no. right? Maybe that's... I'd a, like to know. But... That's a common myth that you're not a walking encyclopedia <laughs> yeah. of, uh, of, blu- of blueprints and floor plans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah how the billy taps work or why they don't why they turn off at 30 <laughs> at night etc yeah exactly a strong shoulder shrug what about you elvis common myth uh if you were to speak to someone like sana she'd say i uh, just go up and down in the lift all day just not doing anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah holding a piece of paper <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah just looking no it's uh yeah allison's Correct. Um, there, there are so many complicated parts to this building um, that I think when people, in my eyes, when people look at a facilities person, they know that we manage a building, but to what extent, uh, you will never know. Yeah. Once in a while, I'd love people, um, or maybe we should do a video where you do a walk around of the basement of all the things that go on down there, oh, the yeah. boiler rooms and everything or up in the roof. And there are just so many mechanical things going on, going back to lockdown that still had to be maintained. Mm. So whilst people are at home, um, we're still going around uh, trying to do things, keep things running and yeah unfortunately it is the things that as soon as it affects an individual only then will they call on to facilities and uh, they're kind of hoping that it gets fixed very quickly and that's our job to do that so um, yeah we tend to be from a facilities point of view we tend to be the busier the more people in the building the busier we get because obviously there are more things that's going to go wrong we're looking after uh, absolutely everything from the cycle store to the lifts, you name it, wherever you go, uh, a room you walk into, all of that needs to be serviced. And um, sometimes I wonder whether when people are looking at a, a facilities team and what they do, they may not realise that on occasions that where systems are too busy because they tend to get very busy sometimes Mm. Uh, facilities will step in and help out there as well where we can there there are just so many different aspects to what we do every aspect within 28 chancery lane Mm. there will be a facilities person doing something making something happen and uh, yeah just trying to keep it well maintained no, but great answer. And uh, yes, I would very much like a tour of the basement, please. Uh, <laughs> we'll so, do a video uh, one and send it out to people just so, they, just so they've got a better understanding. Exactly. No, I'd love yeah. that. I wish you get it on confidence, do a kind of nice edited uh, video, get it up there for the masses. But yeah, totally. 
but yeah, I love that. that you know, whatever you you do on your day to day in the building, yeah, the facilities have touched it, have, have made that happen. And even me sitting in this booth now, you know, the aircon's perfect temperature, the lights are working. Yeah. You know, again, obviously systems play their part as well, but you know, it's kind of like the basic stuff as well, as well as the people, the people element as well, which is a huge part of what you do. And I think people don't you know underestimate that a little bit. If if I may be so bold, yeah, yeah, you 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 could say that. I mean, a lot of the times, um, as I said, that we are. Well, I'd like to think that we are very accommodating. So as and when a problem does arise, and we do, we get loads of thank yous from people as well um, because we try to get onto things very quickly um, Mm -hmm. or we'll have Alison cracking the whip and wondering why we're not doing it. So so, uh, I I do think that people do recognise that facilities deal with quite a few things and I just hope that we can continue to do it and uh, more efficiently. Perfect, perfect. So on, on a similar subject, I'll do on my, my seamless transitions into the next question, which is uh, the most important lesson that you've learned over your career. So Alison, do you want to take this one? What's the big, the big moment for you where you learned a huge lesson that's held you in great stead to this day? I think, yeah, I think taking your opportunities when you can. I mean, I think that was, you know, saying yes when I was asked to join, you know, Frame Store as one of the founders and, you know, yeah. I'd just sort of finished, you know, I'd been in my first job. So sort of taking that that risk to move into a company that was only just sort of starting out, yeah. you know, it was a risk. We, you know, invested, we put guarantees up against various personal um, finance, et cetera. So mm. it was a risk, That was, but that was a great opportunity that paid off. And then second to that, when I went out and started up, O-Frame in Barcelona and that was very much mm. a sort of the client we had some clients who were Spanish clients who were over and I was taking them out to lunch and I remember being in a taxi going around Piccadilly Circus it's such it's so clear in my mind the exact moment <laughs> um, we were we'd been discussing starting up um, a facility in Barcelona and um, the client said to me well you know why don't you come out and, and run it and I just thought Oh, that would just be such a fantastic opportunity. And I, I went back and spoke to Sharon Reed, and um, she was absolutely great because she was just about to go on her first on maternity leave with her first child. So me moving out to Spain at that particular moment in time really wasn't ideal for her at all. But she mm. really recognised that it was a great opportunity and it, it you know it was a good advantage for the company to have somebody from Framestore there. So and that was just uh, again another amazing experience of starting up that company and uh, moving to Barcelona when just pre the Olympics that wow. being set up there in the city was going through an amazing sort of transformation. I think you know it's key to sort of take opportunities when you can and, and not to be afraid of yeah. of asking for those opportunities. If you see one, identify it and ask for it. Someone might not always say yes, but you know if they do, it's, it can give you um, great opportunities. Yeah. It's great advice. Yeah, and it's advice that comes up on the podcast a lot, just kind of putting yourself out there, sticking your neck out, whether it's uh, saying yes to, you know, starting a starting a company or uh, or taking an opportunity like you did with, with Ofra. I mean, how, how, what, what led to that? What what drove that opportunity, Alison, if I may ask? Um, well, because we had these, these Spanish clients, they were coming over a lot, doing a lot of work over here, and, and they just approached us and said, you know, we can help you set it up. We can give you work. Obviously, they can feed work, which is very similar to the way when we first started Framestore. You know, we were in partnership with mm. investors who could actually sort of feed work through the company. And yeah, that's how it how it started, really. Yeah, that was three years, right? Three. Uh, yeah, I was there for three years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, God, that must have been fun. It was. Yeah, it was a hard decision to come back actually because you sort of feel that 
you'll come back and everything will have changed and but actually you come back and everything's pretty much the same <laughs> just, put, just pick up where you left off yes yeah no, i love that though yeah it's all about taking those opportunities though you're absolutely right what about you elvis what's been the most important lesson you've learned over your career for me because i work so much with contractors it's always getting it in writing <laughs> whatever they say they're going to do <laughs> whatever they say they've done <laughs> right get it right. in writing and um and you learn that from home as well uh, we had a big uh, project at home and again i had to get quite a few although we had an architect to get in uh, quite a few builders in and through work i learned that you know Make sure you get whatever they say they're going to do or however it's going to do, just get it down in writing. And then if anything goes wrong, and, and that, that's a valuable lesson I've learned here. Yeah. We have so many contractors coming into this building and uh, people tend to promise you things and it just doesn't come to fruition. So mm. you need to be able to, uh, yeah, just have it down on paper so you can look it, it saved us so many times in the past so um not not as glamorous as Alison's one, but, no, really. <laughs> um, but uh yeah for me it's uh yeah you can't always unfortunately take things at face value but it, it's it's helped me out on the way no, wise words yeah you must be brilliant at home though when you have uh, the builders in at home Oh my gosh, yeah. Dust off the, your inner facilities manager and uh, <laughs> get everything documented, videos, <laughs> testimonials. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. But that's, that's strong advice, though, and particularly kind of, you know, I would argue for, and I, I don't want to be, you know, xenophobic in any way, but, you know, our younger listeners who are probably embarking on kind of their first places and their first homes and they're getting stuff fitted and, you know, get it down, get it right and get that contract, get the ink on the paper to say that, you know, this is what they're going to commit to. So I think absolutely right. I think it's really strong advice. Yeah. As, as much as I'd love to be able to um, to uh, trust people, uh, and for the most part I do, but there's so many life lessons that can um, steer you into going in different directions. And so if you can, where you can get things, just to keep yourself safe yeah. and protected, if you need to rely on it at a later date. And that's the, that, that's the one thing that I would suggest to anybody. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Elvis. So uh, similar to the uh, the common myths question, this next question is about underrated tools. So everybody knows what the rated tools are in any craft, right? What you kind of use on a daily basis that's held in high regard. But what underrated tools are in or tool are indispensable for you to do your job, Alison? That's a really tricky one. A spanner? <laughs> Google. No, I think, um, yeah, probably just the, the Google tools, you know, shared docs, things like that. I have, there's such a lot of information across all the different sites and different projects and everything that having those tools to be able to sort of track it, mm. whether it's in Google Sheet or Google Doc, whatever, Google Sheets mainly, I would actually Google Sheets is probably the one. Mm. It's just sort of keeping all that information together, tracking it, and, um, yeah, that's probably the one for me. Yeah, I love a, I love a Google Sheet. I, I never really used it properly until I used I use it with Access VFX uh, to a certain extent. Didn't use it in my previous roles, and then coming to uh, to Framestore, I knew it was Google because I used to get emails from Amy Smith all the time. Anyway, and it's amazing. I love it. I mean, it's I'm I'm I keep I'm into forms now. That's my thing. Forms, surveys, and I think I'm only just uh, scratching the surface. I mean, we're not sponsored by Google Suite here, by the way. The podcast is not <laughs> <Not at all. laughs> 
we're open. We're always open to it if yeah, we have uh, listeners in high places. I mean, you know, it's uh, yeah. Exactly. Just, we just happen to use it here, and it's yeah. obviously that shared aspect of it is very is very useful because I you know I work with a lot of people across the company, and that is it's key to be able to share that information. That's a good example. Yeah, lots of global stakeholders, right? I mean, that is a that's a yeah that's that's a bona fide underrated tool because we use it all the time to the point where it's just like breathing, isn't it? But actually, without it, I think we. We'd struggle so i think it's a great great underrated tool alison thank you what's yours elvis what can you not do without what's well, not not what can you do without what's underrated what's one that we don't give enough credence to well uh, google sheets absolutely but my phone um being able to take pictures of certain things uh, just having the information at hand being able to check an email or refer back to something and uh, walking around with a measuring tape sometimes, that, that does help as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, it would have to be my phone because I do have to refer back to that mm, yeah. uh, just for um, anything that I need to do. I tend to be rubbish when it comes to getting to meetings on time or remembering something. So having something pop up and say, you've got a meeting now, get ready to get down there, or uh, you've got a to-do list that you need to tick something off. It's all on the phone. Mm. So, yeah, I would suffer without it, put it that way. Yeah. I love that. I've just got this picture of you kind of going around, like taking photos of everything, like proper forensic style, you know, <laughs> off the back of your write everything down, trust no one. It's also, <laughs> snap, no, that's it not right. right really send that sad, back. actually, but... Um... <laughs> I love yeah, it. It's, I love it's, it. it's easier. A picture sets a thousand words. No, I get it. Good. Strong tools there, folks. Nice work. Um, okay, so my next question, we're coming to the last few questions on the podcast now, which is around advice. And this one is, what's one piece of advice you'd give to someone starting out in your field? I'm particularly interested in people considering working in perhaps operations or facilities for creative companies. We've not really spoken about the some of the differences between, you know, working in visual effects, which I think is quite a unique industry for a number of reasons. I've mentioned it on the podcast previously, but I'd love to kind of just get your your take on those golden nuggets of career advice for people who want to explore your your line of work, your craft. I think understanding the industry you work in, you know, the more you can understand mm-hmm. about the kind of general workings of a company in a particular field, the better you'll be able to do your job. And I think it makes it more interesting as well. I mean, obviously, we work in a very interesting industry, but I've just found where I've been able to work on projects which sort of span lots of different departments within Framestore and learn more about what those departments do, then I'm I'm better able to do my job. I think yeah. so. So having that sort of broad understanding of what that company does, rather than just being in your kind of silo of right, I'm looking after the building. You know, you need to be able to understand that broader um, perspective of you know what people do, what the pressures are on them, and therefore how you can support them as you know in managing the building mm-hmm. uh, in what in what they do. That's great advice. Thank you, Alison. What about you, Elvis? What's uh piece of advice you'd give to somebody starting out in in your line of work don't be afraid to ask questions Mm -hmm. always just be open to what people are saying to you listen to what they're saying that over the years there's so many runners that have started at framestore and um they would have gone to university and they might have a film degree or media studies or something else like that they've walked into this building Mm -hmm. And they didn't know half of the things that we do here. And 
they may have spent uh, three, four years of their life wanting to be a movie director only to find out that there's something that they, that Framestore does here and they want to do that they didn't even know ex existed. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I've done all of this and now I want to. And I always say to them, look, just go and speak to people, do a bit of research, try and find out a bit about what that job does, who the people that work in that department and, uh, and so long as that you can uh, show them that you're willing to give their all, you're willing to listen to what they're saying, mm -hmm. you're willing to give a bit of your own time outside of frame store hours if it needs be, um, then um, it, it will help you in the long run. Yeah. There's so many times where I've said to people, look, even if you have to take two weeks or a week's holiday out of your own time to go and help another department if they're looking for someone you will learn so much more yeah they're getting your time for free and hopefully at the end of it um that they will want to take you on and give you a bit of training or something else like that so yeah absolutely don't be afraid to ask questions um be prepared to put in your own personal time into it yeah and um hopefully uh th things will turn out the way you want them to no, that's great advice. Yeah, I mean, there's something across both your answers there about dedicating time to understanding the craft, understanding the kind of role you want to do as well, you know, and dedicating your time to that rather than just kind of, you know, going for it. And I think asking questions, clarifying what you want to do, asking all the perceived silly questions, I think is so important. Otherwise, you end up going down a path that perhaps isn't for you as well. If that makes yeah, sense. I yeah. Think there's a lot of really, really good advice in there. Um, great, great advice. Um, I've got a couple of extra questions that I'm going to throw at you, but I'm going to ask the preordained question first, which is, uh, what is one question you wish I'd asked you and how would you have answered it? I mean, this is where I kind of find out whether I've covered all bases or is there some glaring area that I've uh, not covered? So Alison, is there a question that you just wish was on the list that just isn't there? I think, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, what is it that you find enjoyable about your role? Because I think people... Love that sort of see the kind of infrastructure operation sides about the facilities as perhaps being a bit dull but I think what's what is so interesting about and enjoyable about these you know the role of facilities operations is that you do work across many different parts of the company and you know you're interacting with many different people across the company you are sort of an integral department that kind of knits together different things mm. within the company so it is interesting and it is very varied as well so that's my answer that's a great answer. Yeah, I often forget that, particularly when you work, do work in support roles. You do get to hover across the whole piece, don't you? I mean, yes, we, we've mentioned, I think you use that great term, being in our bubble sometimes, Elvis. But, you know, the fact is we, we're not just working for one discipline. Yes, you work in your craft, your department, your area of the business, but actually you touch every yeah. corner of it, particularly in your role, right? Because you're dealing with the building. And the yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I wish you'd have said to me, Elvis, clearly you're only 46, but you look about 26. How do you do it? And I'd say, oh, that's because I use E45 moisturising <laughs> cream because I really haven't got anything else to... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I the words right out of my mouth. Really I was good question, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go into the kind of the fun pairing questions then and the uh, the hit list question that I found yeah. earlier, uh, it, it'd be remiss of me not to kind of dig through the kind of the annals of time that you've been part of at Framestore and Framestore history and ask you both to share 
either a memorable moment or milestone from your time at Framestore that's had a significant impact on you, either personally, professionally, or both. But is, have there been any great moments that you look back on? It's like, wow, that was incredible. That was seismic. Or like you say, is it just, just going about my job, like we said earlier, like about Paddington, we're just doing our work and we're on to the next one. But have there been moments that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think, well, I think I've already mentioned that the taxi going around Piccadilly Circus was a real <laughs> yeah. moment for me because not only professionally, but personally, it was a great opportunity. And, you know, living abroad in in Barcelona for those three years was was yeah. great, but challenging from a work perspective. Um, I mean, obviously, I had to sort of learn Spanish. I didn't know very much before I went out there. So, again, it was a baptism of fire, but it was, yeah, it was a very exciting time. Yeah. So that that for me sort of really uh, stands out, I think. Brilliant. What well, about you, Elvis? Any memorable moments? There, there are so many things. That, uh, to a certain extent, I think that I am truly blessed for the people that I've worked with over the years, the people that I'm working with now. As I said before, I've got a, a great team that I've, I work with. I'm just fortunate to have been working for a company that has grown. And in my junior days, much younger, it was just like, oh, wow, you know, working in this industry and meeting famous people and stuff like that. Um, When I was young, that was important to me. And now it's, you know, just being able to see the people that I've worked with, how well they've progressed. Mm -hmm. So um, there's no one particular thing. I think it was a huge challenge moving from Soho to Chancery Lane um, and everything that involved all the prep work and what we had to do when I came over to Chancery Lane, it was about 300 builders and uh, me at one point, and I would just be sitting, wow. you know, with all these workmen around me, and um, uh, and then it was months later that people started coming over here. So we had so many things that had to be done before that, um, and uh, and so I, I just felt that was a real sense of achievement to be able to move. I think we were even yeah. trying to do move 200 people per week into the building, have all their passes ready, have everything ready. Again, it was a team effort. We all had to do it, and um, it, it worked really well, and we managed to do it. So, yeah, and the grand opening uh, was really good. The setup, how it was all done, and welcoming people in the building, having runners at the end of the row with signs on them saying, frame store this way and all of that. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it was, yeah, yeah, it was a real sense of achievement be able to do it that must have been cool i remember coming to the new frame store after you know you know coming to wall street for uk screen alliance meetings for all those years i was really excited to see this big new shiny kind of frame store building so it must have been so cool being there at the time yeah and just getting people's reaction when they walk in for the first time that's huge finding your desk and yeah yeah Yeah. All, all of that yeah it was yeah really good really good and I think it was, um, you know, everybody was really concerned because we were moving out of Soho, which was the sort of heartland of, yeah. you know, the VFX industry in London and everything. But actually, people were just so happy to be in a building where everything worked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, where we have, you know, we have a lovely cafe and, you know, we have the seventh floor to entertain clients, I mean, which none of that we really had. Um, particularly in the Well Street building, yeah. you know, not that much even in Nell Street by the end yeah. of that time. So, um, 
it was great as as Elva says it was great to sort of see yeah. everyone's reaction and see how happy people were to actually come come and work here. Yeah, it's a great space. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Soho is only twenty minute walk away, isn't it? I mean, come on, if people want to exactly. go, for a, <laughs> they're, they're old haunts. They can still exactly. do that. You're still in town. Um, I wanted to briefly touch on mentors because uh, it's one of my questions uh, and I want to talk about people uh, you'd like to hear on the podcast coming up as well. But um, I wanted to check in with you about who you would cite as being your most important professional mentor or mentors. You know, I always say Russell Dodgson coined the, the term micro mentors all those episodes ago. We spoke to him about his dark materials on the podcast, but I'd like to hear from yours. It's an opportunity to do some shout outs, name check a few folk. Um, yeah, uh, some great people. Um I've learned a lot from people like Alison, not just because she's here, but <laughs> for the simple reason that um, Alison has this amazing memory, way of remembering things, that she will ask you questions. And I'll be like, oh, my God, I thought we'd done that. How does she remember to do that? And so you then have to be prepared. And where else before it would be okay to say, oh, yeah, we're just about to do this. You have to get everything written down. You have to know what you're talking about. You can't. And so by having someone like Alison being able to fire those sort of questions and expect you to answer it, you do that in return to other people as well. Mm. And um, another thing that I've said as well, which um, I admire Alison about, was that when we did the move, uh, moving people from the sixth floor to the second floor, there were so many departments involved who were requesting loads of things that they needed if they were moving downstairs. There were so many engineering and system things that needed to be involved as well. So being able to orchestrate all of those people in one room on a hangout or whatever and constantly getting them to feedback on what's going on, where are we with this, how are we doing that, how are we doing that, it's a huge achievement to be able to do that. And, um, and yeah, and Alison was heading that. So be able to do that, and that's what – I would like to be able to do and be able to have all of these people say, right, have you done this? What's happening with that? Have you done that? Where's this? Where are we going with that? And being able to constantly follow it up all the time. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I would, even though Alison is here, I would say that she is uh, one of the people that has inspired me a lot, actually. Oh, love it. Thank you, Alex. Great. And you heard it here on the podcast. This yes. is it forever now. It's <laughs> exactly, not going anywhere. Yeah. It's on yeah, Spotify yeah. forever. <laughs> Documented. Amazing. Good job. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks, Elvis. So, about you, Alison, who do you cite as being your most important professional mentor? Well, I think um, Sharon Reed has to be one. You know, she was the original manager at Frame Store. And as I say, she gave me some great opportunities, um, even though it wasn't always convenient to her. And I think she was one of those people who. You know, as I think as Alva said, you know, there are people get lots of opportunities to move and progress through Frame Store, and mm. I think that started right from the very beginning. And you know, yeah, wow. she gave me my opportunity to sort of progress and move on to to other things. Um, so I would say her, and, and I, I would also say Mel Sullivan, who is you know a great example of someone who's steered Frame Store through you know ups and downs. And, you know, got us through some of those challenges uh, that have been over the years. And she also, but she managed to sort of bring everyone along with her. And she's, I think she is one of the key people that's helped to make Framestore sort of 
still get, they still have that feel of a small company, yeah. even though it's a big company. And I think you mentioned it, Simon, as well. You know, she's always very approachable. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, I think uh, she's also personally given me many opportunities to sort of diversify within my role. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, great answer. Thank you. Yeah, and it's my life's mission to get Mel on the uh, the podcast as well. She will <laughs> she'll appear at some point in the future, I'm sure. Thank you, Alison. Two great examples, of course. Present company accepted, Alison. It's good to hear her and the, <laughs> and the guests get name checked as well on that on that question. Uh, so my next question is still about people, but it's uh, who would you like to hear on the podcast and why? So who would you want to go through the experience that I've just put you both through? Who would you like to listen to while you're walking the dog or going for you for going for a jog or however you listen to your podcasts? But Alison, I'll start with you. Um, yeah, I, I would nominate Lizzie Bedford. Um, I, I think she'd have some great stories to tell about her journey through Framestore. Mm. Um, she's an example of someone who started as a runner and is now recently been made head of studio in London. Yeah. So she's uh, she's definitely sort of progressed up through through the ranks. Um, and I've heard some of her stories, and I think some of them would be very funny. <laughs> so, Brilliant. Okay, good. I'll hold it to that. I think she'd be a, a good nominee. Brilliant. I'm taking that, and she's actually on my list, but I can speak to you later about that. Thank you, Alison. What about you, Elvis? Who would you like to go through the, the dailies? Kirsty Clemenson. Ooh, good one. I've known her for a really long time. She's got loads and loads of stories. She's very funny, and she's got some great stories. And, uh, yeah, I love her to bit. So, yeah, definitely Kirsty would be one. Cool. And Steph Brunning as well, actually. Oh, Steph, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so many people. There's definitely a, 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 good, a good long life of the podcast. Too. There's too many good people to speak to, too many stories to mine, yeah. which is brilliant. And you've both done such a great job of that, so thank you. So before I let you go, uh, there's a couple of kind of like, – well, I call it the fun pairing question, which is uh, – the reason why people tune into the podcast, arguably, which is the uh, the question, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Now, no cheat answers, because we've had a few people who said who say sandwiches, which is such a cheat, or, <laughs> or pasta. Um, okay, it's got to be a dish or uh, a food stuff. So uh, I'll start with you, Elvis. What's, uh, what's your one go-to meal that if you had to, you could eat for the rest of your days? Oh, my gosh. Um, it would be... <laughs> I really don't want to say it because you know, it's something that I really used to love, and, um, and that was having liver and bacon. And a lot of people would be, oh, my God, that is just so disgusting. And yet I used to absolutely love it all the time. And then um, I suffered from gout and was told I wasn't allowed to have it. Oh, God, really, don't <laughs> I was gutted. <laughs> so I, I've not had it since. And um, fortunately, I, I don't suffer with gout um, anymore. But the fact is that was something that whenever I had it, I, I just absolutely loved it, even though could go out and have steaks and all the rest of it that, that was just something that was a comfort food for me so yeah that, that would be my one liver and bacon yeah nice i i used to have liver and onions as a kid and i used to quite enjoy it yeah it's quite like the texture of liver yeah uh, but i never used to like it when you used to get the tubes you know you have a bit uh, and oh, yeah. tubes. no 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 <laughs> Just to get a chewy bit. Yeah. Not fun of the chewy bits. <laughs> no, liver and bacon with onions, yeah. And mashed potato. Oh, right. That 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 was my that was my favourite thing. So we're bringing that back for the podcast then. Yeah. So exactly. you might get gout again if you have it every day. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm sorry. I suffered <laughs> enough of gout, so that's that's out the, that's out the window now. It's a, it's a fantasy question, so you have it without the gout. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah. There you go. 
we can do that for you. Nice you. one. <laughs> Thanks, Elvis. What about you, Alison? What could you live on for the rest of your days? I think it would have to be roast vegetables, actually. Because ah. if I have to eat it for the rest of my days, I need a bit of variety. <laughs> so it's a slight, slight cheat answer, but we'll let you have it. Actually, you, well, so. you you're one of our founders, you're allowed a little bit of a cheat. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other one would be feed a while, which is get, which is carrying on the um, sort of Spanish theme, which is a, a sort of like a, a paella, but with small noodles as, oh. as opposed to rice. And I do love that. So That's a good one. That, if that was the one dish, then... I think you could get away with that. And again, no health implications. You can you live on that for the rest of your life. I think that's a better shout than I, roast I, veggies. I'm sure it wouldn't be very good for you. But yes. <laughs> and you can have a side of roast veggies. We'll let you have that oh, as good. it's Alison Turner. Yeah. You can have a side. <laughs> Brilliant. My, my other one is, and it's all Sergio Gonzalez's fault who started this on episode one, where the question he wished I'd asked him was, what music do you listen to while you're doing your deep work? Now, you may or may not listen to music while you're doing your deep work, but I've still got to ask you for... One song that I can put on the Framestore Podcast Daily's Spotify playlist. But do you, have you got a track for me, Elvis and Alison, that I can put onto the, the playlist? Oh, God, I'm terrible at this. <laughs> <laughs> it could be worth, I mean, you know, in fact, Carl Woolley chose The Venger Boys, which is the final track on the playlist. <laughs> so it goes show anything goes. So there's no there's no judgment on the, on the playlist here. There is a little bit with that one. An artist that I really like... Um, and that is uh, George Michael. Oh, I love George Michael. Yeah, and such a wide variety of uh, what, what he's done, and I absolutely enjoy it. And um, even my boys, they're like, sorry, who's George Michael? And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> but yeah, I, I can listen to anything from George Michael uh, without any problems at all. Stick an album on, carry on working in the background. I'll sing away and I'll be as happy, happy as Larry. One of the best. Yeah. Well, obviously, you've you found a kindred spirit in me. I am such a George Michael fan. My mum was, I, mean, I used to work in a bar for years and they used to play when we used to clean up. It was only for a year, like yeah. 90, 96 to 97, I worked in a bar. And Jean, the uh, the bar owner, used, was obsessed with George Michael and she used to play the older album. Oh, right. And that, she always played that when we cleaned the toilets and swabbed the decks. Yeah. I'm obsessed with it now. And I was listening to it when I was getting ready on Saturday morning. I'd get my George Michael playlist on and uh, from Wham to, you know, his later work. Yeah, so, yeah, no, absolutely. All about George. Yeah. Anyway, uh, digressing here. Uh, Alison, <laughs> what, hey, give us an artist and then I'll, I'll, I'll get a track from each of you once we've recorded. Yes, it's difficult. But whenever I'm in the car with my daughter, she says, what do you want me to put on the music? You know, what music do you want me to put on? I always say to her, happy music. <laughs> <laughs> I always leave jolly music when I'm driving. And so the embodiment of that is obviously Happy by Farrell oh, Williams. That so that's brilliant. the one I will nominate. Yeah. That is a great, great call. Thank you, Alison. Okay, well, before I let you go, uh, I've got to ask one more question. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. a bit of a fanboy, so I'm going to geek out. And uh, Alison, obviously, one of the co-founders of Framestore, you know, responsible for you know, the, the careers that we all have now. And I would like to ask you, who came up, and I'm sure it's well documented, but who came up with the name of Frame? How did Framestore, the, the brand, the Framestore, come? Who was the person who went, let's call it that? Or were there other names in the frame, pardon the pun? Am I allowed to ask that question? Gosh, you're allowed to ask it, but if I remember the question, I think we, you know, we had a bit of a brainstorming. We had a company whose name escapes me, uh, who was sort of helping us with that. 
But I don't, I really, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to answer that question. So I'm okay. going to fail well, at the last hurdle. But uh, I will sleep well knowing that I asked the question. <laughs> I, would have, uh, I would have failed my job as a podcaster, but it will forever remain a mystery. I like that. We're ending on a cliffhanger. Yeah. If we find out, we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, what makes me think is, I don't know if people are familiar with the original um, branding for Framestore, which is a sort of man standing at a filing cabinet. <laughs> <And it's, laughs> I don't know why we came up with that, but... I think uh, it was just such a distinctive brand. And that's the other thing that I think Frame Stores carried through all the years is that it has had a very distinctive brand through the, you know, yeah. uh, Mariscal versions and, you know, the many other. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, slightly digressing there, but. Uh, no. That was a great digression for sure. And uh, yeah, the, yeah, I love all the old logos. I love I love the real 80s one. I don't know who designed that one, but the one that's got the kind of the bit, the bold colours and the, the capital letters and quite jagged lettering. They're, they're all in William's office somewhere. That, that's a Mariscal one, isn't it, Alison? Yeah, 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 that is the yeah, Mariscal right. one, yeah. There you go, yeah. And that's the Barcelona connection because we got to know Mariscal through, yeah, through okay. having a frame store in Barcelona. And yeah, so he yeah became. That's the, per- that the perfect note to end the, uh, end the podcast on. Thank you, Elvis and Alison. Before I let you go, is there anything you want to shout about? Anyone you want to shout out? Anything I've missed before we close the, uh, close the doors on, on this episode? No, I mean, I, I would just shout out to all the facilities teams across Framestore because, as I say, they are, they're, they're sort of hidden behind the scenes a lot of the time, but actually they do underpin a lot of what goes on in the company every day and um, sort of run by some great people like Elvis and all the other heads of facilities across the mm-hmm. globe. And they're very enthusiastic and supportive of the company. So I'm very grateful to have those teams, really. That's a, that's a great shout out. Yeah, and I, I would just like to say that, um, as I said before, the facilities team, Lauren, Charlotte, uh, Janie, the uh, reception team, library and dispatch team, the CSA's FA's, uh, SAS, we make up a really good team. We cover so much ground. Uh, we've been doing it for a long time and we just hope to continue doing it. So uh, thank you to them. Brilliant. Love that. I love finishing on some shout outs. So thank you, Alison. It's been an absolute pleasure. That was the, I, I, I had high expectations and you didn't disappoint. Ex- expectations exceeded. Um, thank you so much for giving me almost two hours of your time as well. It's uh, I know you're, you're both very busy, whether it's Elvis in the lift with his, uh, <laughs> with his uh, uh, measuring tape or Alison on every, you know, always, when I walk past you, obviously always on some hotline on, in some part of the world dealing with whatever is going on in your world, but uh, as discussed. But yeah, thank you. Thank you both. And thank you, obviously, for, you know, I don't want to be cheesy and say thank you facilities for just creating these amazing spaces, but it is a genuine thank you. I hope, uh, hope the podcast has done uh, the operations, buildings and facilities teams justice so uh yeah been a privilege thank you so much uh, alison and elvis thank you for uh, having us thank you yeah thank you simon it was fun no pleasure's all mine well that concludes this week's episode a massive thank you to alison and elvis for giving me their time and for such a fascinating conversation as always a big shout out to sam sosnowski from the global training team for an exceptional editing job once again. In just two weeks, we return with another inspiring conversation from our global frame store community. Until then, take care and thanks for listening.